I, I wanted to build schools. That's why I quit my job. Like I, I, I quit and I was like, I'm going to build a school. I've got like, this is, I'm so passionate about education. Welcome to the Wealth Faculty, Jason Witten here. And this week we got a chance to sit down and do a review on all of the guests that we've had a chat with over the last 10, 12 weeks in the Wealth Faculty with the producer of the podcast, Marcus Pierce. We dived into common themes, themes like hard work. Do you have to have hard work to succeed? Well, maybe there's some answers in the podcast. Big visions, the process of time. Nothing happens in a short time when it comes to wealth and certainly many other things of value. Like I say, often this thing is a marathon, not a sprint, and uh, is suffering inevitable? There seemed to be a theme popping up around that. Is it suffering? Is it pain? Um, it's an interesting one, that one to dive deep into as well. Burnout is not an achievement, taking care of yourself, looking after yourself. Money and marriage, big conversation around that. And inevitably, the idea that wealth uh, is not only about money. Matter of fact, none of our guests have said money is the true meaning of wealth just yet. We might find one of them someday that will, but what is the true meaning of wealth? We dived into each of the guests and de uh, discussed what that was uh, and the common themes in there. I hope you enjoy this conversation of the Wealth Faculty. Marcus Pierce, welcome to the podcast, the Wealth Faculty. Jace, great to be on. I think this is two times in about 14 or 15 episodes. Episode one, when we interviewed you about your true meaning of wealth. And now to come back on and do a review of some of the most incredible interviews I've had the pleasure of listening to. Um, because you've gone deep, great man. You've really gone into your heart and soul. There's been some tears. Yes. There's been a lot of laughs. Uh, there's been some really, like, some harrowing conversations, uh, but really some inspiring conversations as well. And I thought, let's take stock and reflect on what has been an incredible three months so far on the Wealth Faculty. Uh, look, I'm looking forward to this conversation because, you know, instead of continuing to do these, going back and reviewing them and, and pulling out some nuggets of each of those interviews, like you said, they've been amazing. Like, uh, I've really been enjoying yep. chatting to these people. So let's get into it. And, and often people are like, no, you should never look back in the rearview mirror of life. <laughs> I'm like, no, do and join all the dots and have a think about so much wisdom that people have shared because you, you think of like, I'll go through this list and this is just something I'll put together quickly, but you think of so much change that has potentially happened in your listeners' lives, yes. thousands of downloads. So podcasts are interesting. You never really get a lot of engagement like, this episode changed my life, I did this, this and that, but often five years after the fact, you do. Yeah. Um, and I know you've got some incredible feedback already from people that have decided to not make this investment decision or change a career um, that they were in for many years. And, and that has come like often a, a podcast is a great tipping point for like, okay, not another minute, not another day. I know a number of people have joined you at positive real estate after listening to a, a number yeah, of specific yeah. episodes. Yeah. Um, so I'll go through some themes with you and, and I'll, you know, we'll, we'll riff on it, but I'll also get some of your comments. The one that really sticks out for me heavily is how many of your guests put hard work down as one of the most core ingredients to their success when so many people are trying to almost do it on easy street? Well, you know, it's an interesting one. And, and you know, I think sometimes the millennials get a, a bit of a bad rap, you know, in this space at the moment. But uh, the millennials who work for me certainly don't fit into this category. But it is like the idea that, you know, we're, we're looking for that easy win, you know, when it comes to certainly wealth and success, you know, oh, let's be, you know, we've got a great idea and then we turn into, you know, you know, I don't know, Mark Zuckerberg or yeah. one of those guys overnight. And uh, I have not in my 20 years of, you know, creating wealth for myself, coaching others in wealth, seen that idea, you know, be real. It is absolutely <laughs> success shows up and knocks on your door dressed in overalls, yeah. looking dirty and disgusting. <laughs> And often smelly and, you know, a bit hideous and, and repulsive. And, and it is, it's hard work, you know. Yeah. Uh, and there's that's an underlying core theme um, about the process of succeeding in anything, no yeah. matter what and it I is. And I think, you know, like Scott Harris spoke about his times, you know, running cafes and just working 100-hour weeks. And Pauline Newen spoke about her times at the Red Lantern and... You know, we'll talk about burnout, you know, shortly in this episode, mm. but the, the number of hours she thought that like busy was an achievement, um, 
Trevor Hendy literally spoke about his physical burnout from just training and training and training, but also that his physical commitment was such an underpinning of his success. Yeah. Um, Heather Gardner, Andy Fenton, you know, John Wood, pretty much every guest has spoken about the the amount of, you know, you mentioned this a lot, like the dirty work, like you said, overalls work. It's not glamorous. It's, it's not, not glamorous Instagrammable. Stuff. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't go viral. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> the work that no one else wants to do. And isn't there a great one liner that, you know, success is doing the work that no one else is willing to do? No one else is willing to do. You do the stuff now that no one else is willing to do. Yeah. So you get to do the stuff later that no one else can do. Mm. And, you know, it's, it is that, and it's those little bits of work and effort and ultimately eventually depending on what you're up to you might choose to outsource or employ mm. or resource some of those things that aren't your let's say your your skill set or your most passion but you know you've got to learn um the idea of this you know it's an overused word at the moment this grit this resilience yep. of the journey of success the journey of of anything of value being something that you work at it's a journey not a destination. Mm. And, you know, I think that gets lost often in the idea of wealth. Yeah. You think, oh, well, we're only doing this for money and we'll talk about it later. You know, that destination (laughs) is out there, but the journey is far more valuable. 100%. And I think as you talk about it from a business perspective, I know one of my greatest challenges is always knowing when is the time to delegate that task, which is not my genius Mm. or not my zone of excellence. Mm. Yeah. And I think that is a really... And a lot of your guests have demonstrated, and I encourage if you haven't listened to Pauline Ewan or Scott Harris or you know uh, Trevor Hendy, like they talk about when they recognise that they didn't have to go down that hard slope. Like Trevor Hendy saying, like the Olympic dream, you know, chasing it. He had he realised that he didn't have to chase it. You know, um, when Pauline Ewan spoke about that, she didn't have to spend 80, 90 hours a week in it in a Red Lantern. But at the beginning, you and I have spoken about this through our friendship over the years, there is a time to work 80, 90 hour weeks. There is a time to be completely out of balance. Yes. As long as it's, for want of a better term, a conscious decision and not like my life's falling apart around me. Well, you know, and I don't know what's going on. It's like, do it properly. Yeah. And and, and often in coaching conversations that I've had over the last, you know, 18 odd years, uh, until you have some contrast of some description from the conversation you are having, it's quite difficult to really understand the nuts and bolts, the nitty gritty of that conversation. Hard work, you've got to do hard work. All right, yeah, I get it. But you've never worked a you know, a yeah. twenty hour day in your life. You've never worked three weeks in a row with no break and mm. you know, and you still have to get up on Monday and show up. Like, you know, until you have some contrast, I think often those conversations are are difficult to be um excellent and empowering yep. because you don't have those contrasts. So I think on the flip side of that conversation you know, potentially a dysfunctional conversation of hard work in the beginning for many of us because we don't know how to functionally work hard mm. in in a way That's that, so true. you know. And yeah. then it's dysfunctional and then you realise, well, I want the output, I want the outcome, so I know what that looks like. Mm. What are the things that when I look back now, if I didn't have to do, uh, they still have to get done often. Mm. But if I didn't have to do them, can I get someone else to do them? Can I organize them? Can I be a better leader, be a better manager, be a better uh, delegator? Yeah. Still get the outcome, but free up space, time, and energy for myself. That is so good because one of the like the next point that I have here is a lot of your guests have had really big visions, mm. and I think of just again our friendship over fourteen or fifteen years. I don't think you spend any less time on positive real estate and the positive group of companies, but you you spend your time differently yes. on those companies. So you're at home more, which is, which is no doubt better for your family life and the rest of it, but you still work big hours. And I think what you're saying is, the way I'm listening it is, you still need to do some work that's inconvenient. It's not like you reach this point where you go, right, nothing in my life, in my business life anyway, is ever inconvenient ever again. Yeah. You just know that you actually are still doing something that you love to do, but you're not always doing the scrapey work that other people could do for 20, 20 to 100 or even more dollars an hour. It doesn't matter. But you know that you can actually pass that off. Pass it on. And not get so stuck. Yeah. Um, on this big visions, like John Wood, I know he's been a massive part of your life. 
Do you find when you're interviewing guests with these big visions that it stirs something within – it's almost a Dorothy Dixon question, but that it stirs something within you. Like you know their story. It's like you know what they're going to say, but you can't help but be swept up in someone else's big vision. Absolutely. The energy, the, the you know, it's contagious that comes out of, of the people that I've met like that with visions. And it's interesting because uh, I love this question. I've asked it of a few – of our guests well why do you continue to work then i've been asked this before mm. you've got enough money jason you don't have to work technically you know i can live a very comfortable lifestyle not going to work ever again mm. um but for me i, I find that idea uh, like abhorrent it's it's terror it's horrifying <laughs> what would i do you know you don't play golf and, so and, you? you know i like i do like rock climbing yeah. um you know uh, I love hanging out with my family and then uh, I love building schools with room to read and then yeah. I'll say, well, that's what I'm doing already. Yeah. So technically for me and, you know, the conversation, if you check in with um, when I asked um, the guys from ARIA, Tim Forrester, yes. and he's like, well, it's not work. This is my life. This is my passion. I wake up every day, whether mm. it's Sunday or friggin' Thursday, I wake up every day thinking about this stuff pumped about my life yeah. and my life is building buildings for me. My life is positive real estate, the mentoring clients, the education, empowering people, helping people succeed, building schools that change the world. I yeah. wake up every day. It doesn't. It's, there's no Monday to Friday when you're pumped with passion. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And and <laughs> and I love the reminder because sometimes you can get down in the dirt. And and I love Gary V. Gary mm. V's got a, a good ex. Um, expression i don't know if it's his or, or he's got it from somewhere Let's else tribute to him anyway. a tribute to gary right <laughs> it's clouds and dirt right so and sometimes you're in the dirt like sometimes you have to be hands dirty mm. you know um making it happen and sometimes like being in the dirt all day every day can kind of you know you don't get a, a chance to put your head up and look around and he said sometimes you got to get in the clouds mm. you know and be free and floating around and feel the feel the the enormity the the wonderful magic of what you're up to so yeah. you know i like the idea of i know for me sure. like every weekend saturday morning six o'clock i wake up very quietly and i leave home and go to a cafe in brunswick heads yes for a couple of hours and if i bump into people and have chats that's great but if i don't i sit there and i just think in the clouds mm. and i'll journal and i'll write and i'll read something and i'll type and i'll think and i'll dream and all just all the stuff that you don't often get to do in the the time when you're yeah, like when you're spending time in the dirt or doing work, and I think that those big visions, these people like Nicole Edwards and wanting to end family and domestic violence, yeah. like you said, Tim Forrester wanting to build buildings that they can be proud of walking past in twenty years' time with their kids, grandkids, and the rest. Like this isn't stuff that you can necessarily um, convey and create when you're doing the do, as you say, when you're busy in the dirt. I think it's so important to cultivate time in your week. Yeah. Where you can go, that's cloud time. Yep. Because if you don't do it, people are never going to say, go and have some cloud time. We can just think about your life in 10, 15, 20 years' time. It just doesn't come up. I'm sure for you, rock climbing is that time where it just completely clears the dirt. It, and for me, climbing is the idea of mindfulness. So, you know, it, climbing, the idea of, you know, until uh, of recent times, you know, meditation become very popular and the in thing and, yeah. and the cool stuff. Well, you know, for me, the idea of mindfulness is emptying your mind of anything else but right where you are now. Mm. Um, and climbing's like that. It, it empties your mind because you're terrified where you're at. <laughs> There's nothing else you're thinking of. But, but I love it. And sometimes when you go, uh, when I go climbing, you know, it can be days and days of, of emptying the mind and being as present as possible to what we're up to, which, is, which, which I love. Mm. But the idea, um, you know, these big visions, you know, um, need some space and time to percolate. And it doesn't have to be a big vision to change the world. This this is the stuff that I say to people. You know, if, if you can think well and and have a big vision for yourself and your family, um, or impact, you know, at a local level, that's as that's as powerful and as amazing as 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 anything. Absolutely. Um, and so, I completely agree with you. Time in your day regularly or your week regularly for that thinking, um thinking time's very important it's part of the magic i think let's just skip ahead i love going off the rundown i love going just in <laughs> random directions let's let's just rip up the manuscript for a moment <laughs> let's do it um let's talk about those habits and rituals i know that i see i often see you and your team talking about miracle miracle morning yeah um i'm a massive believer in you know i'm a selfish first child leo just 
give me my own time, my own space, and I can solve any problem in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are your habits? Because we've spoken to a lot, a lot of people on the wealth faculty around their habits. I mean, Pauline Ewan's daily rituals. If you haven't listened to that episode, folks, like go and have a listen. She's up at four or four thirty in the morning. Uh, she wouldn't say sleep's overrated. She would say that sleep is a unique thing. Mm. You got to own how you like to sleep. But her tune it for your own body. Her morning, her morning <laughs> rituals is is off the charts incredible. Mm. Um, talk to me about yours and and what have you learned from others uh, during these series of um, interviews, just about rituals and habits for success. What I've learned is everyone has them, whether they're consciously choosing them or not. Um, and so rituals for success. A lot of people are early risers. Now, I'm not an extremely early riser, but um, I'm usually out of bed before 6 to 6.30. Yep. You know, so I, I like to get out of bed. I like coffee. Yes. I, I, like It's my thing. So I like a, a, a black coffee in the morning. Um, one of the things that I've been absolutely um, extremely strict on in the last two years is intermittent fasting. I don't eat any food until 1 p.m., and I finish eating at um, 7 or 8 p.m. that night. So yep. I only eat in a certain time frame. And I find that that um, is one of the, like, if you think about a big rock of a habit to put in. Yes, that's like your big rock. Big rock. Yeah. Any time that I'm like, oh, you know, I'll have a breakfast on the weekend with everyone because they're having it or something, I do some social, I feel rubbish for days. Really? Yeah, yeah. And um, wow. so it's a massive big rock for me. Energy, just an energy booster. I love yep. my coffee. Yeah, um, and I've found a supplement system, yep. like vitamins and minerals and those things that really work for Works me. For I actually got um, got myself tested. Um, if there's a book, if anyone's listening in, called Dirty Genes. Yeah, and uh, we got ourselves um, tested, our DNA, all of that sort of stuff, and we've we've actually designed the regime down to our our own individual individual stuff, yep. and so you know that's been fantastic for me. Um, Absolutely, climbing three days a week. Yep. It nothing else gets in the way. Yep. Other than high, high priority family stuff, nothing yep. else gets in the way. Yeah. Um. And um. For me, I love to learn at night. I'm a night owl. So in the morning, I like free time. Yeah. Um. I'll have my coffee, and that's my thinking time. Yeah. Um. And when I'm having a nice shower, I do a shower for 15 minutes hot. I rehearse my day in the shower, so I think through my day what's coming. And then I'll do the cold shower for the last five or ten minutes um, at the end of every shower I Is ever have. Is that a twenty-five minute shower? Yeah, in the morning. I love, I love a good long shower in the morning. It's my place where I rehearse my day. Yep. Now Pauline talks about it; she lays in bed to rehearse it. Yes. But I love a nice warm shower. Yep. Getting my day warmed up, and then I snap myself into the day. The cold shower snaps me into my day. Random, completely unimportant question. Sorry to our listeners, <laughs> this is boring too. Where I live. In the summer. Yes. The cold is not that cold in the shower. No. Well, How are you going here? Well, you- well, I actually thought that this morning. I'm like, this is not cold at all Yeah. Um, because winter's been great. So um, I've just ordered a, an ice bath from Wim Hof, an Iceman bath. You've got one? Yeah, You've well, got one I, coming? Yeah, I've got it coming. So um, yeah, so I'm going to be doing that. So You're going to do an doing, ice bath? Yeah, every morning. Every morning? Every morning, yeah. Yeah, I, I've done. I ran an event where we did an ice bath with a uh, guy Lawrence, a, a good friend who is uh, he he facilitated it. Everyone was doing the ice bath so easily that I thought this would be fine. Ah, <laughs> I went in completely <laughs> complacent and absolutely uh, freaked out. Did it? Yeah, but it's so much harder than than I thought. Box breathing, learn to box breathe. Yeah. Um, the ice bath for the whole of winter. I would get up um, when the sun came out. And I would do some stretching and listening to a podcast, Jim Quick. Um, yes. He's good. So quick ten, brain. Quick brain, 10 or 15 minutes in the morning. And then I would do three minutes in my pool in the middle of winter as my, as my and my, do my box breathing. So, so good. Yeah. So like living in this hot climate, as summer comes, it kind of it loses its effectiveness. So I'm, I'm, yes. I'm buying the uh, ice bath now. That's good. Yeah. That's good. We love Wim. Um, all right. The process of time. Mm. I think we've mentioned this briefly, but I think it's so important that we talk about this. There still seems to be no quick fix to creating wealth of your dreams. Mm. Ronnie Ware was a palliative um, carer for eight years and then wrote the top five regrets of the dying she shared with you. It became the fastest translated book in Hay House history. Overnight success, eight years in the making. Tim Forrester... 
a son of a great developer, but has created a business on his own with his colleagues um, to be the premier developer in Brisbane with a massive long-term vision. Scott Harris said in your first full episode, uh, full interview of the Wealth Faculty, you've got to give this 10 to 15 years. Yeah, There still doesn't seem to be a way that you can create the wealth of your dreams in six to 12 months, which seems to be what everyone's <laughs> looking for. So the obvious question is, why do you think, is it a human condition thing? Why do you think that people still, like when we've heard it over and over and over again, are still looking for a short-term fix? Yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting question. And I don't necessarily have the answer, but I've got some observations. And the idea that, you know, certainly in the last 20, 30 years, the idea of fast everything is kind of on everyone's lips. You know, mm-hmm. do it faster, faster food, faster delivery, faster, you know, whatever it is, faster internet, fast, yes. fast, oh. fast, fast. So it's that kind one's of genuine. <laughs> that one is a genuine <laughs> Just, need. Let's get fast yeah. internet. Um, faster meetings, faster whatever. And, yeah. you know, I think uh, while in context that makes a lot of sense, you know, making efficiency in our world um, with technology and tools and things can be extremely valuable. Um, but it, it's I've been overlooked, I think, the things of extreme value and certainly creating wealth, long-term wealth, um, is one of those things, you know, talking to Bronnie Ware about people dying with dignity and comfort, you know, and, you know, for me personally, the ability with money and wealth now to help my dad in that way now in his later years in life when he's not so well, mm. you know, fills me with so much, you know, nice Did that tear, did that nice tear you vibe. up, that interview? Or like- oh, it, it, was, it was actually... Beautiful and amazing to have that conversation with Bronnie. The time was perfect. I thought the universe, for me, <laughs> aligned. It just reminded me not to get, you know, uh, a bit angry about what was going on, you know, because yeah. sometimes we do, and even though... Out of the dirt and into yeah, the clouds yeah, of the... Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I was cranky at him because he didn't look after himself and I'll, and it was coming through, you know. Um, but he's, you know, he's nearly 80. He's had an amazing mm-hmm. life. He set us up amazingly as as children um especially from where he came from was literally a street kid he was abandoned as a child really yeah yeah we 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 can talk about that um another time but you know he he decided he was going to make sure you know his kids were taken care of and you know he's done an amazing job with that sort of stuff so i was cranky because he was you know wasn't looking after himself but for 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 Bronnie, she reminded me that you know he's maybe just a bit scared right now and he just needs us to be okay with it and you know, yeah. That yeah. was really big when she said, yeah. think what the dying person is going, going through, through, what they're thinking yeah. about. Yeah. You know, and stop trying to have have the normal conversations yeah. when you know they need a, nor, like, normality. Yes. But also just take a step back and think about what, what's going through their heart and soul at the 100%. time as well. 100%, yeah. So yeah. it landed nicely close to wow. home there. It was beautiful. Great so, timing. So just on that, again, question without notice, but is there a guest, and you might you might say it's Bronnie, but is there a guest, we don't want to play favourites, but that you feel like has like impacted you more than anyone else um, on, on the wealth faculty so far? So far, John Wood for me. Yep. Yeah, and and I, he's kind of one of my all-time faves anyway. But um, to really connect um, with John uh, again now, and, and the timing's kind of almost perfect again for me because I said, you know, in in the podcast, and I've said this before, I read John's first book and it ch- literally changed the trajectory of mm-hmm. my life and my business and those sorts of things, you know, leaving Microsoft to change the world. If you haven't read it, Keep you've got you to get it. Here. Grab the book. Um, and then... Oh, there he is, yeah. And so, you know, this was the first one, camera one. <laughs> uh, for those That's who are listening the on the changed podcast. Your life. Changed my life. Yeah. Absolutely changed my life. Literally read the book, started crying on the aeroplane, locked myself in a room and rewrote the next ten years of my life. Because I don't I never understood that you said I said to you, so John Wood like changed your like brought out the humanitarian in you and you said no. He changed my whole business life. The, the not, whole not, thing. Not just like you know, build schools like yeah. Well, can you explain that because we didn't get to that in the interview? Like, well, I think now what 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 it what is now John is directly communicating, which which is again why is one of my favourite interviews so far. And it, and you know they've been all amazing for all their different reasons. But again, he's he's talking about the, the incorporating your purpose into your profit and your passion. Um, he called it powered by purpose. Powered by purpose, and yeah. it's fantastic because you know in. For me in business, not, not speaking for anyone else, but for me, 
once we got all the widgets going and the levers and the bolts and the nuts and bolts, the tactics, yep. um, and it made money and there was money in the bank and I had money and everyone had money. It's like, well, it, it felt a little bit empty, mm. you know. And so for me, mastering those things were great. And now now what next? It, like, why, why did we do that again? Yeah, like, what, yeah. What's it all for? Because I, yeah. I think I was telling you that I, I wanted to build schools. That's why I quit my job. Like I, yeah. I, I quit and I was like, I'm going to build a school. I'm going, like this is I'm so passionate about education. Uh, and then so well, shit, I need some money. <laughs> So, I, you know, and I'd, I'd read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, and, you know, I just, and I was excited about the idea of making money. And yeah, so I kind of went on a tangent, went on the side road, not the freeway to, but we all go on the freaking side yeah. roads, you know. It's, yep. it's, it's, it was the, the, um, the scenic route and it was beautiful and amazing. And, 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 but at that point, I'd felt I'd been financially successful, mm. but it felt, a bit empty. Yep. Uh, and hadn't built the spiritual bucket. Well, up. well, I hadn't built my schools. I was so far away from building schools and having that educational impact. But again, it was it was maybe you know just in life as as you do sometimes the shine comes off it. Mm. Sometimes when you look at it, you know success is still is, is still dressed in those overalls. And now, yes. and now there's rips in those yes. overalls, and it looks grotty and dirty. Well, you still do you, know? a, you still do a lot of coaching calls with clients, and yep. I always find that amazing. It's like I, I'm trying to book in some time with you, and Dee's <laughs> like, he's got a coaching call. I'm like, still, I still, I, I still do, I yeah. still do ten um, coaching calls a week. Wow, uh, I, I love to stay connected. Is it just keeping your toe in the water? Is it? Yeah, a hundred percent. and I, I do love that. And and soon enough, in the next two to five years, I believe. I'll be doing coaching with um, with my teams, yeah, and then the coaching with the clients will be you know handed on to all of my um, coaches because they're amazing, yeah. led by Tabitha and the team and stuff like that. But like now, I'm getting enough people in my leadership teams and my business partners that you know now is then I'm going to still continue to coach because I think it's part of who I am, teach yes. and coach, yeah. Uh, continue to do that with with those guys and and girls as well. So it's a, it's pretty amazing. That's it. But yeah, but Johnny and this Johnny is what Wood. got you. This is what got you. Purpose Incorporated. Purpose Incorporated. That yep. is uh, because you and I have had chats about yeah putting purpose into profits and uh, everything. When he mentioned that, I just saw your whole face light Boom. up, and that was like totally that really got you. Didn't you know, it? so yeah, you know, like six thousand kids now go to school every day because of the schools that we've built over the mm. years, and um. That's you know. Imagine the knock-on effect of that. Mm. So now, in my head, I don't want it to be six thousand. I want it to be sixty thousand kids. Mm. In the next ten years, how can we how can we have sixty thousand kids going to school every day mm. because of what we've created through positive, our investing, our profit that is powered by purpose? How do we do that? And that's a big, awesome, amazing question. You know that you know. And I'm I'm going over to Hong Kong to do some stuff with John. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, now, purpose is one thing, um, but on the other side, it's not the other side of the coin, but it's something that has come up mm. quite regularly, is that um, for many guests, they have experienced what I could just loosely call like incredible suffering. Mm. Pauline Ewan's childhood was just, ugh, was just so hard to hear. To hear her say that my childhood was my training is just, is almost like that is the prototype of, reframing, redefining what the challenges of life uh, mean to someone. Yeah. But my question to you is, from your experience, either with your guests or even just in your own life, do you think that suffering is inevitable? I know it's, it's probably not even the right term, but if I said suffering is inevitable, agree or disagree, what's your view? Well, uh, it's an interesting one because a quote comes up. I can't remember who said it, but um, I think it might have been Buddha or something said, um, uh, suffering... Um, Pain is inevitable. Suffering is not. Yeah. So I think you're spot on. I think that is yeah. a, a Buddha quote. Yeah. So you know the idea that pain slash suffering mm. in any pursuit comes from the idea of you know reaching for something, failing, stretching, um, relearning, uh, maybe learning to frame or position an experience that you're having, which may not be your direct. Um, uh, fault or influence, but you have to endure it. Whatever those things are, like Pauline, uh, I think that uniqueness about 
how we travel through life like carves us into this diamond, right? You know, uh, you, you don't get a diamond without heat and pressure. And, uh, and I believe that that training, that resilience, that grit, there's no other way to embody it. There's no other way to get it into your DNA as a human other than to go through some form of pressure and stress training um, in, in one way for, or another. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be as intense as, as Pauline's. That's the thing. I'm looking at some of the guests. There's a lot of death as the result. Uh, death, you know, Andy Fenton, you know, losing his partner to suicide. Kim and Danny Morrison. Danny sharing about his sister's suicide. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bronnie Ware spending eight years with dying people and the, the lessons from that. But some heavy stuff you've, you've dealt like that your, your guests have you well, know, shared. Well, it's an interesting one, right? So this is, this is the coaching conundrum. 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 <laughs> conundrum, yeah. right? Um, so, all right, well, listen, Marcus, you know that um, you should do this thing. You know it, mm. but you don't do it. Why? And, and in my observation, um, you know, doing some things with Tony Robbins and other people, there's these significant events in people's lives that happen that gives us this kind of like call it the wake-up call call it the whatever that then people go oh fuck okay all right everything that i've been doing or most like it's not it's not what i want like it's kind of it's kind of that the frog in the 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 pot you know boils to death because it's slow and steady right a significant emotional event a significant financial event, yeah. a significant physical event. I had a heart attack. Now I've rethought my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was flying along. I had, you know, two cars on credit and a million dollar house, five credit cards. We were the credit rich, and then we imploded. Right? You know, a significant yeah. emotional event. I thought we were happy, and then my wife just left me, Let, or my yes. husband just left me. Yeah. Right? You know, um, a significant spiritual event. You know, it's, it's, oh, so yeah, you could say like the Holocaust happened, and it, where's God in the Holocaust? My mom says, "Where's God in a child dying?" Yeah, you know, so yeah. you can have a real those things. Christ, yeah. So why is it? And I don't know the answer to this yeah. one. Why is it we have to wait till that happens to us to yes. then go? Oh yeah, we're, <laughs> what we're up to is well, shit house. Yeah. You know, well, it, yeah. Sorry, go on. You were and 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 maybe just maybe if if we're going to say the meaning, maybe that's part of what we're here for. That maybe that's part of our. Our evolution, our you know, uh, our purpose is to uh, remember, embody some of those things at some point, and and if we don't pay attention, the universe will send us a few little you know yeah. reminders that we're here to evolve in one way, shape, or form. Okay, so I got to go. I got to go mind bending, <laughs> philosophical left, on you going now. Going left here, yeah, it's totally going <laughs> left. Because like, there's no doubt that you have experienced way more heartache in your life than I have. Mm. So as someone who has experienced, I would almost say more than their fair share of emotional heartache, do you walk around on tenor hooks worried that something's around the corner or are you more aggressively living your best life knowing that you can handle whatever's going to come your way? Like how do you go yeah how do you now navigate through because if we know that stuff's going to happen anyway it's going to happen anyway some people are living kind of looking over their shoulder like yeah. waiting for the car accident to yep. happen um others are like i'm just going straight straight forward and it'll happen when it happens like how do you where do you where do you go these days what, one of the most empowering things for me to really understand and embody uh is that you are the meaning maker there's only one thing you get to choose in life and that's how you react to the events that occur in your life. That's the only that's the only true personal choice that you have that not that that can't be influenced by anyone else. Mm. You choose. And this is um, I read a book, uh, the Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. Yes. Right? Love it. I love uh, it. As, and yeah. listen, it's it's a hard book to consume. Yeah. And uh, you know, I challenge everyone listening today to go read that book. Mm. And he said, you know, that's the only thing that they can't take from me. I yeah. can choose how I respond mm. to what's going on, and and that's the only thing I've got because they they broke my back, you know, they killed my friends, 
Like they like you know every opportunity to be so angry and whatever with the world. And he yep. said, "No, I choose. I choose that." And the moment that I really understood that that was the most powerful thing that I can practice to do, because I'm not perfect at it, and I don't think anyone ever will be, yeah. and maybe Viktor Frankl is because he got <laughs> the ultimate place to practice that yeah. to see if he's real with it. But mate, the universe has uh, has gifted me with those experiences, mm-hmm. and then I've got to look on those experiences and say, how will I define those experiences that make them? empowering for me how do i describe them to my children right mm. and this that's a good one it's an interesting one yeah. you say well all right I, i'll give you an example so you know i had a very bad bust up with business partners and and you know i was I, they were the godparents to my children i was the godparents to their children our children were best friends all right like and you know so then how do i explain that to my child right do i do, do, did i go in and say they were they were mean people and they did the wrong thing and everything was their fault. I didn't. I said, Daddy made a mistake and I couldn't repair it. Um, and so we're not friends now. And if I get a chance, maybe we can in the future. And I meant that. I said, I made the mistake. Daddy made the mistake. You took ownership. I took ownership, you know. And what I see now playing out with my kids, and I'm not saying that was the only thing that did that, is, mm. is they take that ownership in those things. Mm. I didn't blame. I didn't say they were mean people and whatever. As they got older, we explained more. Mm. We did explain more about what happened. But for me, I get to make the meaning. Mm. I say right now that was the best thing that ever happened to me because we would not be where we are today if that experience didn't occur. And I truly believe those things. We get to co-create the future because of how we make things mean and that's really important to understand. That's so important. And and as you're saying it, and it, I just take you back to Viktor Frankl for a moment. For people that haven't watched, uh, read the book, like I sincerely recommend that you do. He he refers to uh, what you're saying as a tragic optimism. So when mm. even when even when the most terrible stuff, Viktor Frankl, Holocaust survivor, uh, even when the most tragic stuff has occurred, how can you find optimism in that? And that's what you're referring to. Even the yep. most challenging things and. Um, the Holocaust survivors that I've spoken to personally will say there are millions of people that went through the Holocaust that are still in the concentration camps yeah. because of the meaning that they have created yeah. for their life. Yeah. And the ones that we read books about and are inspired by in documentaries and the rest are the ones that made the effort. And I don't know how they did the work to create an empowering meaning around their um, life experiences. Those things. And, well, and they often found that their survival, their purpose for their survival was to shine a light on the, the strength of the human spirit. Well, that was one of Viktor Frankl's things, right? It's like he said, well, if all these people died for nothing, I have to survive to show mm. that it was for something, mm. right? And, you know, and that's, you know, and, you know, one of, one of your and I's favourite, you know, Martini. he mm. does the, you know... The, the collapse. The yeah, process, yeah, yeah, there can't be, it can't be only good or only yeah. bad in anything, right? <laughs> so, you know, draw a line down the page, good, yeah. bad, and an experience, whatever it is, what is the good that happened in there? Yeah. Write it down. And I think that's super practical process because sometimes you can be angry. Sometimes you can be sad. Sometimes yeah. – and none all, of that helps. All this money drops in the bank and people go, woohoo! Or they're all – there's no money dropping in the bank. People are like, oh. Uh, and there's never – I think the great thing is like, yeah, uh, great thing happens. Well, what's the challenge of yeah. that? Or a yeah. really tough thing happens. Yeah. What's the blessing totally. in that? And like I, I, I'm just doing a framework now about the experience in COVID, right? So so certainly in our business and a lot of businesses, teams have come together like n- never before. Mm. They, and But what, what I'm saying, again, with this is the, the Demartini, um, it, it was survival. We're all in this together. Mm. Like no one's better than anyone else. I, I don't care that you're black, brown, brown, blue, green or white. I don't care yeah. what religion you are. We're all in it together. Let's go team. I don't mm. care. Like all of that kind of got put aside yeah. in the survival moment. You got my back. I got yours. If we don't, we're going to die. Wow. Right? So that that that's happened for a lot of, lot of um, people, teams, companies. Yes. The ones that didn't get that. Entered, went into the downward spiral in survival and tore each other apart, yeah. e.g. a lot of America, right? Yeah. So, but then now we come out of survival, maybe we get into thrival. Yeah. What, there's there's bad and good on both sides. Now thrival. 
I actually worked a bit harder than Marcus in, in that time. He didn't do as much as me. Now we're not threatened every day for survival. Now we get back to our stupid world. And so and this is, for me, one of the things about Powered by Purpose is I want to jump over this thrival conversation about who works harder yeah. and who should be we're driven by purpose now, you yeah. know? So it's an interesting conversation, you know, in that, that is, sort of stuff. That is both sides to the coin. Let's just go where um, a lot of people don't like to talk about. I, I love in a lot of the conversations you've had is like all of the taboo topics. <laughs> <laughs> and one that came up in uh, the Kim and Danny Morrison interview is money. Yes. And they've had a, you know, storm financial crisis. They lost everything with storm having lost a large chunk earlier in a, in a development where essentially they got stooged out of money by virtue of Danny's pro Danny Morrison's profile in New Zealand. Um, and Kim Morrison said in the interview with you, if we'd actually had more, if we'd actually had money in the bank that, you know, Danny's behaviour at the time may have given her more push to go, let's just end our marriage. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about money as a large part of marriage because it's something that no one really talks about. And again, it's come up on a couple of episodes, but you in, you, you chat with people every week about money and, and a lot of those people are married. Yes. You know, how do we have a more mature conversation around the role and the importance of money in a thriving relationship? Well, it, it's an extremely important conversation. You know, you and I were chatting off air just, you know, after the wedding comes a marriage. And for many of us, by the time we get married also, the chemical romance is gone. Mm -hmm. Like there's some science to this stuff. If anyone wants any more info on it, like, yeah. you know, just give us a shout yeah, out. You don't, have to, you don't have to feel so guilty no. if you're not shagging seven times a week and you're not going out on dates every second night and you're not going to the theatre on your night off and... <laughs> You know, millions of years of evolution means, you know, male meets female, you know, by and large, reproduce chemically quickly, yeah. make sure that they're chemically bonded for a certain period of time so yeah. you can have the baby, the the offspring and the mother don't die in childbirth mm. and by and large after that the chemical is gone, mm. right? So No one wants to talk no, about it. No that one wants to hear about this stuff, right? So, <laughs> but, but I love this stuff. I love understanding what's going on and then being conscious enough as a human to, to, to use the thing that we're given that no other animal on the planet has, uh, as far as we know, this idea of choice. Mm. We get to consciously choose mm. to stay in a relationship. We consciously choose love. It's a four-letter word, right? And it comes dressed in overalls uh and it it's dirty right love is hard work yeah uh true love and and everyone has to work at it now it doesn't you know it doesn't have to be hard all the time mm. and this is the thing when it comes to to being in a relationship money helps mm. make that relationship more comfortable mm. Often, because if you're going to be in a relationship for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, no holidays, no um, nice things, no whatever, um, or whatever your terms are, no extra little things, mm. it, it can wear you down. And that's where I think money is an integral part of long-term relationships. I think money is an integral part, or not necessarily money, but the use of your resources is yeah. is is something that's important to discuss and how it's used. Like you yes. said, the use of it is it is it conducive with the relationship that you're in. You know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of people that have money and and you know the you know someone's gambling all of that money or someone's wasting that money in, in some way. You know, it, it was an interesting one. Like John Wood said it. Um, I think it was like ninety three percent of every dollar earned by by a mother in a third world country mm. goes towards supporting the family, family mm. where, you know, it was less than 20% of, of a dollar of a male earned goes towards the family, right? It's embarrassing. It was it's embarrassing. Totally embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and so instead of putting some judgment on that, like how do we have that conversation? How do you mm. uh, in a relationship sit down and say to you, your partner, okay, cool, we're in this together. Um, now, are we going to have kids? Are we going to have careers? Are we going to have businesses? Let's talk about them because, mm. because, like the fairy tale, you can have it all is bullshit, <laughs> fucking bullshit, and we have to work out 
a way that we're happy to have as much as we can yeah. with the compromises that we deem appropriate for us yeah. at the right time. Well, I feel like, again, call me a little bit fairy tale, but I'm like, I think we can have it all, but just not right now. Not all what at are the, the same time. <laughs> that, these are the 50 things in, on the list. Yeah. What is top five? Yeah. And what's going to be, like, I know for me, I want to live on the Greek island of Icaria for a year. And I really want to do it in my life. Yes. But it's going to be in about 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't want to give up on it. Well, this is you the know. thing. And, and yeah. that's a good that's a good definition on that. Where where and I see I see money playing out a very um in a difficult way in relationships when it's not talked about. Mm. Certainly when children come into the, the picture. Yeah. And careers, money and sacrifices have to be made. Mm. Often when two young people are together and they get married and whatever, it's kind of they're still a bit independent. You yeah. know, they both get, get a chance to have their careers or their businesses. They're supporting each other. Yeah. And at some point, 90% of families choose to have children in one way, shape or form and, they, and their economic capacity is reduced significantly. And That's that an is not one. talked about. That enough. is a really – yeah, I'm not a good person to talk about with this because <laughs> I, I did make the decision – I did. Sarah and I made the decision that she would retire from chiropractic. Yeah. And and I would do we we have a very it's almost like I don't like to talk about it because it's a very old school traditional family. I I go to work, Sarah raises the kids. Yeah. I'm still very invested in the family. But it's not something I, that we talk publicly a lot because it's almost it's a bit of judgment around Well again it's family this, setup. It's this days. judgment and I think it's bullshit. Mm. If a family discusses and chooses it and works it out then absolutely awesome. Yeah, that it's a great choice. I I actually think it's I think it's rubbish that, um, it's it's deemed a secondary choice. If the family wants to choose that structure, fine. If the family wants to choose to have a full time nanny so both parents can work, fine. Yeah, man, absolutely, completely yeah. fine. Make the decision. Make that's the right decision. For you. Yeah, yeah. And and it's not forever. Yeah. Because some and this is like so. And I say this all the time with my coaching clients. This is for now, not forever. Yeah, you you need to go back to work, and I've had this chats with mums. Mm. I said, okay, well, you guys really want to put now wealth as a priority, mm. so then we need more income in your life. Mm. Okay, guys. Um, so and the only easy way I see that happening right now, um, is that you know, Mary, you need to get a full time job. Mm. Well, you know, what about the kids? Well, okay, the kids have to go and go into care. Should we do it three days? Mm. So we talk about that stuff often and. It's an uncomfortable conversation, but when we stack it up and we say, well, here's the choices, mm. the choices are you now get investing eight years years earlier than you otherwise were planning. Um, and the sacrifice is for two years, Mary, not yeah. not for eight years. So we, we, we need you working for two years to get this done because those properties are going to pay for themselves. Oh, it's not forever? Oh, because in their head it was like, it's a black or white choice. It's binary. Yes, that's so true. And 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 when you discuss it in different ways, it's not binary. It's yeah. kind of like, well, okay, for eighteen months, I can do that, mm. and then life changes. So, I love the conversation. I think it's an important thing to have. Yeah, and when both partners are involved, gotta have both you know, partners. Not coming home going, I'm going to work for two years. Yeah, you know, I think that's what happens totally. a lot in relationships. Yep. It's still yep. that holding on to this. Because we are, we're individuals. Yes. But we're also living within an environment where our choices impact others. One that I've never asked you about, and I'm hearing it, and it still, oh, it still rubs me up <laughs> the wrong way, uh, is, sorry, kids, we can't afford that. Mm. I hate, like, and I just, oh, I hate the A word. It just, I never think of, of the world in affordability I feel like there's times I, I often feel like it's values or we need to just pop it to one side and we're going to save for it or whatever it is. But 100%. for me, affordability is like it can't be done. Well, it's, and a, it's a negative approach to a conversation. So what, for the people listening, and again, no judgment, for people listening, go, I actually do say to my kids, we can't afford that right yeah. now. Yeah. How do you – what's your suggestion to reframe, relanguage, repurpose those so, conversations? So, for it, so one of the thing is like – one of the most important things that I love is like remember who's watching. Yes. Right? And yes. it's your kids. Right? And do you want your kids to grow up thinking that you can't afford anything, that it's always a world of lack? And the answer is no. Now, and it's not it's not um it's not the idea that that you can afford anything, but the idea that is is that what you want to afford? Mm. 
okay, is that in our budget? We That's say it to so our kids. That's so true. Is that what you want to afford? Yeah, That's yeah. a great reframe. So for right now, the 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 challenge for us is going to be, um, is that is that in the family budget? Yeah. Because we talk about budget all the time. Mm. We've told our kids all year that we're buying a spa for the family for Christmas. Wow. That's what we're budgeting, yeah. right? Now, you know, I, I could buy a lot more, but yeah. we we say to our kids, that's what we're doing. Yeah, this year we're it. not buying ludicrous presents for everyone individually. Yeah. We're, we're pooling together. Um, holidays. We, we do one family holiday. That's in our budget. Yeah. That's what we save for and we tell our kids, right? So could we do more? We could, but I don't want to do that for me. Now, on the flip side, if someone is saying, oh, okay, we that we can't afford that, well, on the flip side, this is how we could afford it, kids. Here's the resources that we have as a family. And I, I encourage everyone to start talking to their children as early as possible about the resources that we have as a family mm. and how we choose to use them because you will be amazed what your kids come up with. Mm. I've said that to my kids, my 17-year-old, very, very, you know, um, you know, family orientated boy says, All right, well dad, I'm happy to I'm happy to chip in for the holiday. I'll I'll put I'll put that. some of my pocket oh, pocket money that. in. It's so good, right? You, like teach your kids if we want this, that we have to plan it and go after it together as a family. Mm. Right? If we want that holiday, what is it? It's five grand for the holiday. All right, kids, well, you know, we might have to tighten the belt on going out three nights a week. We only do one night a week and we do this and that. And they will love it. They will love it. They will love it. Oh, that's good. You got me thinking. You got me buzzing. Um, wealth comes up on the last question of every episode. Yes. Uh, you say to everyone, uh, you know, Jason Witten, what is the true meaning of wealth to you? Um, and I haven't told you this. I sometimes get calls from the guests going, oh, I was put on the spot and I, I wasn't really happy with my answer. <laughs> I want to do another like answer. I said, every single one of you, it's been an incredible answer. Yes. And some people have almost altered their answer mid-sentence. Have you noticed yeah. that like they start off like, and then they go, actually, Hang on. I almost want to redefine it because it really gets people thinking. But to this day, <laughs> no one has said, oh, Jason, simple, money in the bank and as much of it as you can. <laughs> and I'm just wondering if we'll actually get a guest that says it's as simple as this, Jason. It's money in the bank. But don't you think it's interesting that a podcast called The Wealth Faculty has not had one person yet say that it's actually about the amount of money that you have to your name? Yeah. Well, maybe on the surface it's interesting, but when you stop and think about it, I think it becomes as obvious as people with their answers mm -hmm. because money becomes an enabler or a magnifier, like resources. What resources do we have? You know, resources are time. Resources are our our bodies, our, our minds, what resources do we have that we want to uh, we want to put somewhere, we want to direct in some way, shape or form, mm -hmm. right? And so money becomes an enabler of those resources. Uh, if we don't have um, if we don't have enough time, often people will seek out money to give them more time. Like mm -hmm. even not directly, they'll like I want to buy a positive cash flow property. Well, why? Because I don't. Then I won't have to work so much. Yeah, mm. it's an interesting it's my, one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so by default, especially some of the people we're interviewing are saying, "Well, yeah, money is important, but I can see what it gets me, what it, what it, what it enables me to do, yes, rather than the money itself." I'm sure it's we'll end so up with. A, <laughs> I'm sure we'll end up with a guest saying that sometime. <laughs> Let's hope so. But it's all very much. It comes back to really. Vision-based, isn't it? It's like if you know what your vision is, yeah. the money is just another – metric is far too simplistic, but the money is just another measure as to how you are going in the evolution and the creation of the vision that you're after. And I know on Urban Property Investor, Sam, uh, Sam Saggers, your positive uh, colleague, is often saying, like, you've got to know your number. Mm. And it's like yep. you've got to know your number, but why is that number important to you? Like I know Sam's often like, I know I want – I forget what his number is, but I don't know if it says he wants $300,000 in income. Yes. Uh, no matter what. So based on his interest and all the rest of it, it's, it's the, I forget the actual number. But the key is that he knows exactly what that number represents and why. And I think you've nailed it on the head. It's actually knowing that wealth is more connected to your purpose um, and your vision for your life yeah. rather than just the money that it is. It, it's the driver. It's the fuel in that engine that keeps you going. And mm. – 
you know, the the idea um, that money is limited is also one that, you know, is an interesting one to chuck it out there for because there's yeah. there's never been more money <laughs> in circulation ever in our history. And money's just an idea. It's a piece yeah. of plastic. It's 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 dots, it's zeros, whatever it is. There's so much money. Yeah. Now the idea that that it's it's a limited resource or we have to scrape and and fight for it, well, well no. It's it's unevenly distributed. There's plenty for everyone. Go get go get a big chunk of it. I think what um you know COVID for me has just matured that belief even more because mm. I've been staggered and I'm very grateful, but absolutely staggered by the amount of government stimulus yeah. there has been. I still remember calling my accountant after two months of JobKeeper. So the way our business is set up. Both Sarah and I received double job keeper. I run ran a lot of events. They all had to be cancelled and the rest. But my account said, No, sorry, you can't cancel the job keeper. You've got it for the next <laughs> six months. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. This government's amazing. And you look around the world and you think there's governments that were not doing uh stimulus to the same level of Australia. And you mm. think, how lucky are we to live in a country like Australia? But then on the on on the other side of the coin is I also recognize how many people that have struggled during this time and how many how many? How much money has been donated privately by people yeah. during this time that yeah. have given their money away to people that have been struggling financially? Yeah. And I think what 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 you're saying and what I'm observing is, particularly in times of challenge for a lot of people, you actually realise how much money there is in the world. Mm. Like how much money there is. Yeah. Whether it is through stimulus, whether it is through private enterprise, whether it is through people giving, whatever it is. It's a, it's a phenomenal, I think it's a great wake-up call for people to recognise that there is not a lack. And I think a lot of people from their family upbringings or their working environments or the rest of it yep. are indoctrinated into believing that there is a lack of finance out there. Well, and I think, uh, you know, Scotty Harris said in, in you know, the, the original episode, it's, it's money is made in the mind, mm. you know, and... Robert Kiyosaki said exactly the same thing. I remember being actually thinking he was full of shit when I first read his book. <laughs> it's like bullshit, mate. You just want me to buy your next book. Stop telling me that it's all about it's all in the mind, and you know you need my next book to work it out. And I'm like, you bugger, you know. Um, but it's 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 so true. I sit here 20 years later, and I, I still believe I've got much more to learn. Mm. But knowing that um, when you upgrade the software that you're running in this hardware, which we call the body and the brain, you upgrade the software with a better version, a better story, a better meaning about money. Like where did you get that meaning from anyway? It's, it's, you got it from someone who didn't, didn't consciously do it. Upgrade the meaning. There is more money than you can poke a stick at. Go get some. How do you get it? Well, learn from, learn from great people. Um, and we were talking about this, the right mentors – Right. That's my last. That's my yeah. last question. Yeah. Is is this whole wealth faculty the double meaning? So yeah. who's on your faculty? And yeah. again, you've interviewed a number of people that are, that are on yours, and there's many more to come. But you know, there's so much, so much advice out there, and so many different ways to get it. That I was saying to you that sometimes you know I don't want to take wealth advice from someone that's bankrupt in their family and bankrupt in their house. But that's just me. Some mm. people like know they're a master with money, but I'm like, well, at at what cost? Like. Where do you sit on this? I think this is a really big philosophical conversation. Is, yeah. is is the wealth faculty people that are really good with their wealth and we forget about other areas of life? Or do you think it's really important that your wealth faculty is is a more holistic um, you know, view of life? Well, I, I think maybe go one one level out from that. I think uh, I think it's flawed for any person to think another person will be perfect in all of those places. Yes, yes, totally. Uh, you know, so you know, we were joking about, you know, you know, you know, someone who is, like you said, not so healthy, you know, but they're wealthy, will you take wealth advice for them? Well, you might take some of that information that they know, some tactical information that is very good. They've they've mastered that That's bit. It. Right? Tactical. You take the tactical yes. information, but your implementation, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't do it how they would do it per se. Yep. Because perfect the, example. Yeah. A trader or a, someone that's good with with shares. Mm. They might sit in front of their computer for two or three hours, probably even longer. But they might not eat, or they might eat terrible food. Or well, they might be on the 
the, the, yeah, the white deer or the, something or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's Depending not the lifestyle the you're going to live. Yes, right? yeah. but you're going to say, well, tactically, they've got all the smarts. Mm. I'm going to I'm going to take that part of it, but I'm going to have my chicken salad and my ginger tea. Yes, <laughs> yes. All my black coffee and fast, <laughs> whilst I'm applying that. That's Apply that's a big learning for me. Just yep. even as you say that. Yeah, yeah, because. It's not going to come in one package. And, and I see this often when people experience maybe this idea of a guru. You know, I, I certainly, my first seminar experience was with Bob Proctor. Yes. You know, and he's you still- You saw Bob Proctor live. No, I didn't. It was no. it was on tapes. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I bought the program Born Rich and yeah. I listened to it. It was so good. I, I love like, that. Yes. I love you were Born Rich. Yeah, it was totally. so good. Yeah. Um, and so I just love Bob in everything. And- um. So you, you kind of have a soft spot for your first experience, your first guru, yes. your first whatever. Your infatuation. You're yeah. in love. Yeah, you're you do. It, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's equivalent yeah. to love. It's this aha moment. Your your mind is expanded and will never be the same again, right? <laughs> you know, however, yeah. you know, I, I'm, not taking, I'm not taking advice from Bob on, you know, parenting or children or, uh, or marriage or whatever. Mm. You know, I was – I took the motivation stuff from Bob Proctor and then I sought out, not on purpose mm. at that point, but I sought out others. And so, you know, Scott Harris I was talking about, he is one of my go-to people when I think I need to make an important family decision. I need to balance up myself, my business, all of these other things. Who would I 100% want to model and go to and ask for advice? I'd go to Scott Harris. That's you know? so true. But however, Scott doesn't own a business. Yeah. He's an extreme um, uh, expert at his skill and his level, and he works with other people. He's got his own consultancy. So I'm not asking Scott, uh, Scott about growing my business. I'm going to other people for business growth advice. Yes. And I get consciously to choose the best of the best for the bit that I need. Yeah. And I think that's important. That kind of like ties in the well faculty concept of – the bits of your life, your personal, your physical, your emotional, your mental, and then those faculty members who are going to add value to that bit, you know. I love that. You've really just blown something up in my brain about how to not quash all the good stuff that we get, but also mm. how to actually absorb it in a holistic way. Often I say to Sarah, you know, we've got four children. I say, babe, you know, we're like the vegans of family now. Where they're like, the, <laughs> oh, we love the pierces, but... Oh, kids, it's pretty loud and <laughs> raucous. It's like, oh, we love, because we used to be vegan. Yeah. We love Marcus and Sarah, but oh, we've got to cook another meal and what are they going to eat and what if they don't eat this? And this. <laughs> I said, so we've just got to be careful. Like, you don't want to necessarily take the advice of the parent with one child because it's harder to apply yeah. when you've got four children. You know, it's a lot, a lot easier to listen to stories of people that have four children because it's a lot easier to relate to. And I yeah. think what you're saying is you can actually still you can still learn from people from all walks of life, but you've also got to have the wisdom to apply it in a way that's succinct with your values and not try and live their life. That's which is it. It's a values can... application of a tactical bit of information, yeah. right? Yeah. It's kind of like don't take the tactical and, and implant it in as a value. Yeah. Keep your values high, but then implant the tactical. Oh, I just love that. Yeah. So if a, if a parent of one child says, I make them – you know, eggs and greens for breakfast. You don't go, well, that's not doesn't work for me because I've got four kids. You go, well, my kids would love that as well. Yeah. Or I'm going to make, you know, French toast or whatever it is. I think the tactics, that's a really good definition. Mm. I'm harping on, I'm harping <laughs> on this a bit because I really like it. Um, first of all, congratulations on an incredible start to the Wealth Faculty. It's thank been you, a you. joy to be a part of the uh, opening dozen or so episodes. Uh, I've already said to you, are you prepared for 52 interviews in 2021? And Looking you are. Looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. So there's going to be some incredible people coming up yes. um, on the Wealth Faculty. Let's just be very clear though. There's a lot of hard work in podcasting, isn't there? It's not all glamorous, just uh, get behind the microphone and away you go. Yeah, there's a lot of preparation and uh, thank you to you and Marty so far. We've done uh, we've Shout done out a lot to of learning. Marty over there on the, on the big screen. Um yeah, only just getting started, really enjoying it. And, and you guys, again, as part of my faculty to bring this to life, mm. getting the experts. I mean, you're no slouch when it comes to a podcast <laughs> or to yourself, Marcus, you know. Uh, how many episodes in are you guys oh, on? No, on, on we the, just did 400 the other day. 400, 400. episodes, you know. So, yeah. again, I think that even, you know, cuts into the theme here. You know, find the best people, experienced people, 
um, and, you know, get them on your faculty. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. No, yeah. There's a lot of wisdom both ways. Um, for the people watching and listening, uh, this is really important. The iTunes world, which is almost a premier world out there from yes. a tech perspective, a lot of people listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Yep. Um, if you would love to share this message with the world, one of the best things that you can do is give the podcast a five-star rating and write a review, even if it's just your favourite guest or what you've learned, what you've loved. Just let the other people that are searching the charts and searching for a podcast that they would love to listen to, let them know because that's how Apple does uh, rate the certain podcasts is how many people are giving each podcast a rating and a review. So if you're on Apple Podcasts specifically, give it a five-star rating and a review uh, and that would mean the world. Give, give it a, a shout-out, give it, give it a share. Give it a share, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Uh, because as I tend to say, when you share a podcast, it's like a great book. When you share a great podcast with your friends and family, you change their world. Totally. Um, forever. Jace, well done again. Thank I look you. forward to the next episode of The Wealth Faculty. Marcus Pierce, thank you for being on The Wealth Faculty today. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for joining us on The Wealth Faculty. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe. We're all good podcasts are found. You can find us there. And if you want to watch it, you can subscribe on YouTube, Positive Mentor TV. And until the next episode, take care. Bye for now.